outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 127. Today in the show, Dan and I are sharing with you our rut hunting experiences from the past couple weeks. The ups, the downs, and the lessons learned. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Sitka Gear. And today on the show, we have two stories of the 2016 whitetail rut. One is of resounding success, and the other is of utter despair. (laughs) Come on, man. It's not that bad. (laughs) One is Dan Johnson's, (laughs) and one is mine. (laughs) But quickly, before we get to these stories and lessons learned... We need to thank our partners at Sitka Gear for their support of this podcast. And today, rather than our usual short Sitka story, this entire podcast will be a Sitka story, as all the hunts you'll hear about today from Dan and I took place while wearing our Sitka. So if you personally would like to learn more about Sitka's technical hunting apparel, which has helped me and Dan weather the elements successfully over the recent days, head on over to SitkaGear.com. And now Dan... Tell me, how are you feeling right now? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> no, man, I'm happy. You I know, bet. It's, I, it's, it's just, it's crazy. Just so many emotions um, and, you know, things that go through your head after you, after you shoot a deer and, you know, you think about what you've done, the past, what you've done wrong, what you've done right, um, you know, what you've you know, and then it's like the day passes and now I'm already thinking about 2017. So it, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's crazy. I know I'm uh, I'm super excited for you. And if anyone hasn't been following social media, they're probably freaking out right now and wondering what exactly happened. And we will get to that. Um, but I don't know, Dan, I, I kind of want to hear about what's going on with you first. Cause you've got the best stories to share. Do you want to start from the beginning with like way back since we last talked and then just like take us up through what's happened most recently with your hunts. Right. Um, sure. 
Oh man, I, when was when was the last time we talked? Because I actually missed a buck or hit a limb or something. I it was one of the. I'll just kind of tell the story. Yeah, because we, um, we haven't talked about that yet. I think we we haven't talked since like the end of October because right. we had recorded that one early. Early, so yeah. It's been like a good ten to fourteen days since we've actually got new new stuff. Right, right. Well, I I just want to kind of tell a really quick story before I go into into that one. Um, yeah. I had the I had the opportunity. My stepdad. I was actually back home hunting my main farm, and I brought my daughter with me, and she was hanging out with uh, my mom, you know, her grandma, and my my stepdad that morning shot a buck on the property that they live on. It's only seven acres, and that's uh, awesome. He got one back yeah, there. Uh, it was just it's just a little. You know, a little spike, basically. Um, That's cool. Actually, there's a law in Iowa. He didn't know it because when it came through, it was really dark. And it was just, I mean, there was one, two inches of bone uh, sticking out of his head. He thought it was a doe and he shot it. But the the rule in Iowa is you can put your doe tag on it if the antlers are not forked. So, Hmm. um, So that he didn't see it. He thought it was a doe. He had a doe tag. Luckily when he shot it. So all that played out fine, legal and all that. But the cool thing about that was, was I helped, you know, I, I take some, I took some pictures. I helped him track the blood trail. He only went about 50 yards and I had the opportunity to take my daughter who's three years old out and my, my mom carried her into the woods after we found the deer and, um, just to see the look on her face. And she asked so many questions and it, you know, it's kind of, it's almost like I wish I had more to say to her because I, I, as, as a father, I was ill prepared for that moment of my life. Right. It's like, so daddy, is this buck dead or is this deer dead? Yes, honey. Why did they kill it? Because, you know, they're taught, you know, you can't hurt things. You're not supposed to hurt other humans or hit or kick, you know, or, or bite. So why did grandpa kill this deer? I'm like, well, grandpa killed this deer to turn it into meat for, you know, our, you know, for our food so we can eat it, you know, it provides us food. And she's like, Oh, okay. And then, you know, I had to tell her, you know, just kind of work in, you know, God created these animals for us. And, um, and you know, it's our responsibility to, you know, when we shoot them, we got to put a good shot on them so they don't go very far. And, you know, and she's just asking, you know, questions about the broadhead. And she's like, is this, is this what poked the deer? And I, you know, I just, it was, it was a first for me. And I thought that was it was really cool. That is that is so cool. Did she did yeah. she ask you anything that you didn't know how to answer? Um, is the buck did the buck die or is the buck dead or is the deer dead? Is the deer dead? I'm just like yeah, the deer's the deer's dead. She's like oh that's sad, you know. So she, there was emotion involved. There was a little bit more emotion for her involved in it. Um, and you know there there wasn't a lot of blood because it was a good shot and he fell over fairly quickly and you know I wiped the blood off of his nose before before she got there and um th- you know I just had to sh- basically shoot from the hip and try to figure out what to say right then and there and I think I did a decent job of just telling her you know you know we're going to we're going to turn this into food so we can eat it with our you know potatoes and carrots and you know so <laughs> that's awesome yeah I, I imagine that's got to be just like one of the coolest things. Like when I think about future kids, that's like one yeah. of the types of things that I imagine being like so, I don't know, so fulfilling, being able to share right. moments like that. 
Right. And it was cool. My, my mom was there and my stepdad was there and, uh, they got to experience that little moment too. And uh, I, I took some pictures and I haven't posted them yet, but I'm going to, I'm going to post them here in a little bit of her, just like the expressions on her face, like, Oh my gosh, this is, this, this is cool. <laughs> but you know, I don't know, like she, she liked it, but she wasn't like overboard. Like I, my son, I, I just know when, I do that with him. He's going to be like riding it, you know, touching it, and, you know, like <laughs> right. petting it and stuff like that. She was just a little leery mm-hmm. of that, of, of it. So, um, I, I got to do my part. Like when I, when I told her that I shot my buck this year, she was, Oh yeah, dad, good job. You know, <laughs> you shot a, you shot a, you shot a big buck. That's awesome, dad. I'm like, yeah, we're going to turn it into food so we can eat it. Yeah. I'm going to eat deer meat. You know? <laughs> so she was all jacked up about that. And that, uh, that was pretty cool. That's awesome. So did she see your buck too? Um, she never got to see it because I took it to the taxidermist before I ended up bringing it back home. Okay. But uh, I showed her pictures and she's like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to shoot a buck someday too, dad, right? <laughs> right, dad, right? And I'm like, heck yeah, you are. Come on. <laughs> when you're old enough, you can come hunting with daddy. That'll be pretty cool. Yeah. So that I just wanted to share that story because, you know, oftentimes we talk a lot about uh, strategy on this and, and, you know, how to actually kill the deer. But it's the moments like that for me now as a father that, uh, have a little light shine on them as well. So no, that's great. I, uh, I love it. Love that story. Now let's forget about all that BS. Right? Now let's, start, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk about the, the meat and potatoes. Um, so what happened I, uh, after all this? Okay. So, I ended up going back home uh, for a couple, you know, for the last week of work. I ended up working a Monday, and it was that weekend before Halloween. I, I it was my the very first morning hunt on my buddy's property, and uh, the evening before, I saw an absolute giant buck, um, just like 400 yards away on a neighboring property. He was in one of the guys' food food plots. He's, uh, he's got like 140 acres over there and it's, it's basically no timber, but it's all food plot. So it's standing corn. It's like, uh, those tripod houses, those, uh, hunting houses. Uh, uh, and, uh, I think he muzzle load hunts. He lets a couple guys bow hunt over there and there's a tree line that all these deer come through. Well, there's a sliver of property that runs between the property that I can hunt in the property where all these deer are coming. I have a sliver of, it's, it's basically this giant pinch point that I talk about on my buddy's property that all the deer work through. And I think, um, I've told you in previous, uh, podcasts last year, I was having trouble trying to figure out how this wind. Yes. I remember this. this. Yep. This wind goes back and forth. So, what I found was I have to get into the low spots and I have to basically hunt these stands where a north and a south wind are both bad. So not only am I the wind direction because the wind direction comes like a tide. It goes back and then it goes forth when the wind blows hard. You know, so if it's if it's a north wind, I'll have a pretty consistent north wind, but when the wind dies down, it's like everything floods back down to the low ground. Yikes. Right? Yeah. So I have to hunt this area where a north wind is bad and a uh, a south wind is bad. Meaning 
I have to go in there for only a south wind, but I have to know that the south, the south and the north are both bad. So you're just praying that they come from the east or west. No, I'm praying that they walk through because the pinch point's so tight. I'm praying that they come through that exact pinch point, and I have a shooting lane to the north, and I have a shooting lane to the south. Gotcha. So if there's an east wind, I'm screwed. If there's a west wind, I'm screwed. But I have to – so I have – I figured out that's basically two tree stand locations, and if they come from – if they come too high uh, to the south, if they if they come through to the north, they're not going to – really bust me because they're they're clear on the other side of the property past the creek and they they walk through that ozonic stream and they don't they don't hear nothing or they don't smell nothing however these deer are hunted hard um and i think i told you i had a, a doe step out at about 120 yards from me and walk out in this little grassy area which is somebody's backyard and just you know, kind of feed towards me, and I I did not move one muscle, and she pegged me at like a hundred at a hundred yards. So I'm just like, oh my god, how did she? I didn't do anything, but she pegged me. The wind isn't in her favor. That that's just how spooky these these deer are. You know, they they are so observant because they get hunted quite a bit in this area. So. Um, let's fast forward to the good part. Um, that first morning that I was able to hunt on my buddy's property, um, the previous night I passed a little, uh, he's, I think he's an eight pointer, probably a 125, um, class three year old, nothing, nothing exciting. Uh, the next morning he came through again and, uh, I was, I passed him, but following right behind him, all I saw was a big dark body. And then I saw, uh, I put my binos up and through what I could, from what I could see, there was these huge bases. Um, and so I go, Oh, that looks like a shooter. And it was one of these things where I was so caught up in the moment that I did not do a very good job of observing the actual body size of this buck. I don't know if you've ever done that and you just like, Mm -hmm. you're so, you're so focused on, I got to kill, I got to kill, I got to kill. And, and so he came up, he made a scrape. Well, between the time he made a scrape and, um, the time that he was going to follow this other buck out through one of my shooting lanes, three does came in behind me and busted me moving and they blew and they blew and they they blew and then they ended up just kind of walking away from me. Um, but it's crazy out there because the deer blow so much that the bucks don't even care about it. So he was just chilling there. He was just chilling. Of of course he, of course he was focused right on this, uh, these does. And he was like, okay, what's the problem? Because he doesn't smell me. Right. He doesn't see me. Um, all these, uh, all these uh, does are blowing and he's like, what's what's going on? These women are just crazy. So they work their way away and he kind of puts his nose to the ground. He's looking at this buck and he's looking in this direction. And I haven't had the opportunity to stand up quite yet because as I'm standing up, these does bust me. So I slowly sit back down and just kind of wait it out thinking the, the hunt's over. Does work their way. I stand up, grab my bow and this buck starts working out again. And uh, he's in a shooting lane. I see his antlers. They're out to his ears. They're 
they're, uh, um, I don't know. And he's maybe a 135, 10, 130. But I, but I swear to God, he looked 160, right? All day long. <laughs> oh my God. You know, I was just so fired up because it was the first interaction. It's almost like I forgot everything that I learned in the last, you know, 10, 15 years of bow hunting. Right. 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 It's like, what did, what did you learn? Nothing. It's a oh, big buck. Got to shoot it. And, uh, I drew back. I let the arrow go and, I, something happened. I either just got buck fever and shanked it. But when I found the arrow, the, the broadhead was off of it and the knock was off of it. So I think I hit a branch hmm. or a, or something. Well, checking the trail cameras and, and, and after watching him run away, I was, it sucks to say, but I'm glad I missed him and missed him clean. You know, I didn't hit him. I didn't wound him. Um, I missed him clean. And after I looked at trail camera pictures, I'm like, uh, that's a three year old. Yeah. Right. So I'm just like, Whew. you know, maybe I, I mean, maybe I won't tell anybody about this. Huh? Uh, <laughs> I know that feeling. Yeah. So how, how are you feeling right after that though? Oh, I was pissed. I called my wife and I, I'm like, ah, oh, man, I missed it. I just missed a big buck. And, and that was before I looked at trail camera pictures and right. found out this buck was not a shooter. And she's like, why'd you miss? <laughs> I, wish <laughs> no I, 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 I wish I knew. Right. I wish I knew. Uh, so it, that was, that was one of the, one of these encounters where it's time, you know, I, it, it taught me something because it helped me down the road this year. Yeah, so I imagine, you know, in like the hours after that, like you're thinking through everything that went, that, everything that happened, everything that went right. wrong. Like, did you analyze it and figure out anything you like other than the possibility that you hit a limb? Was there anything right. that you told yourself, I think I should have done this differently or I think I could do this better? Or was there any right. like aha moment for you after like replaying it in your head? Yeah. And I think, I think I straight up rushed the shot straight up my, my own fault. Um, I think I tried to pull off a shot where the deer may have already seen me or was on edge because those does were blowing. Um, or the fact that I got, I got buck fever and straight up rushed the shot. That's the, yeah. you know, just admitting that I, I made a mistake. Yeah, man. It, I, I think it happens to just about all of us. I got, right. I don't think there's a few people maybe out there that are just stone cold, but yeah. But it's pretty hard to always have it one hundred percent composed in those moments. We you know, right. we always got we always try to get better, but it's pretty hard to be perfect, that's for sure. Yep, that's a fact. That's a fact. But I'm glad it was a clean mess. That is the perfect that's the best possible scenario to come out of that. That's right. That's right. So I go back to work on Monday. Um, I end up uh going trick or treating with my uh wife and kids. Uh didn't hunt at all on Monday on Halloween, which I wish I would have because I go back and I check my trail cameras and there's a, a stud buck walking through at like two fifteen, two thirty. Really? Yeah. Um, wow. on Halloween through that pinch point and I'm midday just midday movement, midday movement. Um, so anyway, that, that passed, I went back out there, um, that evening and hunted again. And, uh, I got into the timber on November 1st at about, um, Oh, geez, I don't even know, like one thirty, two o'clock. So at about three o'clock, I saw this, the buck that I actually missed walk through this, back through this area, you know, three days after I, I missed him and head to that, uh, 
those uh, fields, passed a couple other small bucks out of this pinch point. And uh, then the next morning, uh, because of that wind, and I was and I ended up having to move move farms. I had a bad wind, so I, I didn't hunt that morning. So I decided, okay, November first, I'm gonna go back down to my main farm, and uh, I'll I'll hunt that evening. So I get to my main farm uh, pretty early. I checked a whole bunch of trail cameras, um, and uh, through flipping through these trail cameras on. Uh, let's see, it would have been November 1st, I ended up seeing a mature buck working a field edge captured on one of my trail cameras. So as a hunter, I'm like, okay, what's my goal at for, what's my goal this year? I said, it's to shoot a four-year-old buck, right? Mm -hmm. Antler size, antler size does not matter to me. Uh, I want to, my goal. And like I told you earlier this year, my goal is to shoot a four-year-old buck. So I see a four-year-old buck on trail camera. So it's like, why not go set up on on this, where this buck was seen, I hop in this fence line, um, and I'm hunting a field edge, but one, uh, one side is a, f one side's nag field. The other side is kind of like this marshy area. And, uh, it's, it's a gigantic staging area slash bedding area for a lot of deer. And when it's right, that marsh is on and cracking, uh, for the rut. And so I, I, I set up, I sit there, and I see a couple does, you know, fast forward a couple hours. It's like four o'clock. I see a couple does work through. Um, they kind of do this big loop around. It's almost like they're scent checking the marsh to try to catch it and see if there's anything in that field before they step out. Well, a small buck stands up out of a hey, bed. So, so time out. Yep. Yep. Can I, can I ask you a question? Yep. How did, what was your thought process in setting up where you did? Did you set up there just like right over near where the camera picked him up or is this based on where you saw him come out or, or how did you choose where to sit specifically? Yep. Um, okay. So, and I should have said this earlier, but, uh, it, this buck was working this, uh, working a scrape line basically. And there's like five or six scrapes along this ag field. It's a picked corn field. And, um, I don't have permission to hunt the marsh, but I do have permission to hunt the, the ag field of it. All right. So there's like very, very little, very little cherries to choose from. Okay, I know that so, feeling. Yep. So I, I just get up there. I set the stand up and I basically am setting it up for an observation stand and hoping and with with the ability to shoot two of these scrapes and they're fresh scrapes. Right. Um, probably were made when this buck came through on Halloween night. It was okay. there the 31st. I hunted. Uh, which would have been this, the first night I hunted there was November 2nd. All right. Did the run and did the run and gun and, uh, went in there and, uh, didn't see, uh, I saw those does, right. Saw this, uh, this little dink buck, uh, stand up and start chasing these does away. Well, this something happened. And I think this buck that I ended up shooting was also betting in that area and he was betting in this area specifically to catch does in between their bedding using this marsh as a staging area right and then he would scent check them as they would go to the ag field and if they were hot then he would pursue but it was still to the point you know where it's uh it's still that they're not ready yet so they're they're up on their feet but they're not breeding mm-hmm 
that that quote unquote kind of pre-rutted time. And uh, you know, I I see an, I see a big buck stand up kind of at last light. I couldn't really tell what it, what his antlers were, but I knew he was big, and he started chasing these these does hard. I think one was a yearling and one was a mature doe. Um, and then that was it. The sun went down they chased him back into the timber and nothing happened. Well, November 3rd comes along and thunderstorms all day long. I I'm second guessing myself. I'm like, man, should I even get into the timber? And I had the opportunity to hunt until like eight or nine o'clock before the rain started in. And I typically don't do this, but to the north, it was lightning a lot. So I, I went into this giant ridge where stand where I could see, you know, had the opportunity to sh- see forever. Um, I saw a couple, couple good deer, but uh, um, they were so far away that I didn't, you know, there was nothing to do. The front came in while I was in the stand. And then it started to rain and, uh, I get down, go home and, uh, I'm sitting there all day and you know, I do some work, uh, you know, write some articles, uh, you know, do some social media stuff and thinking I'm going to get rained out. <laughs> and it's funny because <laughs> I have, I'm sitting there on social, you know, doing my Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and it oh, looks like I'm going to get rained out. And basically guys are calling me a pussy online. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I left a comment. Just said, right. I think I said "boo" or something right, like that. Right. So it's like I'm getting called out here. So <laughs> I can't. I can't let you know. I can't get called out. No, you can't let that happen. I can't. I can't let that happen. So luckily, I did, and it was. I didn't get set up until four o'clock. You know, I waited until the rain stopped. I left the house at three. I got into the stand at uh, four. 15 is when I looked up and I was set up cause that stand was already there. So all I did do climb in, climb up, strap in and hang my bow. Yep. And I end up seeing two does work their way in and as I'm hooking up, but it's still kind of misting and they're looking up at me, but they're not doing anything. They're not blowing. They're just kind of looking up at me and they're not, I think they're just kind of disoriented because of all the strong winds and rains that had just happened. And they, they didn't really know what I was. You know, I was in my camo up in a tree, you know, and unlike the other property that I hunt, these deer can be kind of dumb when they see people in the trees because it's not a high pressure farm, so to speak. And they end up kind of getting really, really, really kind of spooked out and then not, I guess not really, but they're getting kind of spooked out. So they're, they're going, they're bounding away and whatever. And so I'm texting my buddy right here as it's drizzling and he's like, I'm in a, I'm in a ground blind right now and I am seeing a couple deer kind of spawn or uh, spawn, uh, spar with each other, <laughs> kind of spar with each other. And I'm sorry, but you'll, pr- you're probably hearing a kid cry in the background. I am right hearing now. a kid cry. <laughs> uh, <all> right. <laughs> the life of a, a podcaster whose wife also does, uh, a daycare out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, this, um, my buddy's like, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of, a uh, lot of deer sparring. And I text another buddy. He's like, yeah, I just watched, you know, two, two deer kind of tickle each other's antlers. I'm like, I'm going to rattle blindly, right? This is going to be a blind rattle. This, 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 uh, cold front just kind of came through and it wasn't really even a cold front. It just rained, right? Cause the temperature stayed the same before and after it happened. And 
I throw the antlers together real hard for about two minutes and I hang them down. I sit down about two minutes later, I look over and this buck is standing at the end of this finger in this marsh and he's working his way right towards me. And at that moment, what goes at that moment? First off, first off, the first thing that went through my head is you missed a buck earlier because you overreacted. Get your shit together, right? <laughs> yep. Grab the binos, identify the buck. Okay. I see it was a, I see it's a 10 pointer. All right. Look at his body. Okay. That's a four year old. Okay. That's the buck on the trail camera that you said you were going to shoot. Binos down, grab the bow. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. This kid's going bananas in the room next. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you have an edit, editing tool for editing out crying babies? We don't have a crying baby edit tool, but um, <laughs> we have we have understanding listeners. So <laughs> okay, good, good. So this buck is is on a on a frozen rope right right to me. Like he's not trying to walk around anything. He's he's walking back, and I'm I'm looking at him, and then I st- start to get excited because he's bristled up, his ears are back, and he's drooling. Like oh he's gosh. licking, yeah, he's licking awesome. his lips, snot just coming out of him. And he's, he's just hunched over and he's not a long bodied buck, but he looks like a pit bull, right? He's all shoulders, all neck. Um, and it was one of these, one of these deer that just makes you look at him and go, he's mature, oh, yeah. right? He's a mature buck. And so he's getting ready to, at about 25 yards, step out into this, into this one of the shooting lanes and I didn't trim any shooting lanes. It was just kind of a get up there, see what happens. And I'm, I'm getting ready to draw back, but he does a hard right turn and he walks the fence line of this marsh or he, he kind of steps over the fence first and then takes this hard right turn and he's walking right to me. So my 25 yard shot now becomes he's head on and there's like three trees in this fence row. So I have no shot. The next time I have a shot, he's going to be five yards, if not closer. To me. <laughs> okay. So he stops and he, he stops for just a second to the point or just long enough to where I'm going. Uh, oh boy. What did he catch my scent? Because I had it, I had it angled to where if he would have walked past that initial shooting lane, he would have caught me, right? So it was a north-northwest wind, and if I had a straight north wind, it would have been blowing right down into the uh, shooting lane. Now, me and you talk a lot about about cutting the wind, right? Right, right. So you have to, you have to be aggressive to the point where the shot has to come right before you get busted, right? And that's how I – that's how I set up this particular tree stand and hunted this particular wind. And he's, he's standing there and I'm thinking, Oh boy, did he smell something? Did he smell me? But he's just kind of observing I, his body, his body, uh, didn't change. Like he was still in that aggressive state. His ears came forward a little bit to look around, right. but he was still drooling and slobbering. He still bristled up. Now you weren't drawn back yet, right? Not yet. Now, what were you right. waiting for? What was your, was there a he spot was behind, where you to go behind something or? Yep. He was the only point at this point, he was about 10 yards from me, but the only spot I could see was his left antler and his hindquarters. I had no vitals and he was still hard quartering towards me. Right. Okay. So he, he keeps walking all the way back to this, uh, 
all the way back to the uh, um, or like past these two trees. I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited right now. I'm pumped because I'm reliving this this moment. <laughs> but he walks out of this tree. He walks out. He goes he after he walks by that tree, he walks into this little green shrub. No shot. He steps out and he's five yards from my tree stand. So I'm shooting straight down at him. Right. Almost let the arrow go. I didn't even try to stop him because he was walking really slow and I spined him uh, and he dropped straight down in his tracks. I freaked out for like one second, like, Oh, I just shot a buck. And then I saw, then I saw him flopping and then I turned back into finish him off mode, you know, grabbed another arrow, knocked it, launched it right in his heart dead. And I sat down. I hung or first. I hung my bow up. I sat down. I'm like, Oh boy. Oh boy. Like, <laughs> what do I do? Like, cause I haven't shot a buck since 2012. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. And right. like all this, I kind of had like flashbacks of all these mineral stations, all these trail cameras, all these running gun sets, all the, of all the years past. Right. And it finally cl- kind of clicked for me. It's like, put up your trail cameras, find where the action is and go set up on the action. It's like, it's that simple, you know, <laughs> for, for me anyway. Right. I, I don't know. And so I pick up the phone, I call my wife and my wife is just, yeah, that away, buddy. You know, like she's just <laughs> this year she was more, she was really supportive of me. Um, and I had, you know, going into this, this rut, I had, until November 17th until I had to go back to work. So I was ready to grind it. Right. You know, and I killed two days into my rutcation. <laughs> so it's like, like I called my stepdad. He helped me drag it out and he was, he ended up dying right there where I shot him. And I, to the, you know, it's just, he's not a giant antler deer, which I don't even care about. He is a mature deer. Uh, I thought he was a four-year-old, but I took him to the taxidermist and his head is gigantic, right? He's got a huge, the biggest neck of any deer I've ever shot. Yeah. I saw on the picture. I was like, man, he's got a big old, big old neck on him. Right. His body's short. Uh, he's, he's a brute. He's still a heavy deer. He's well over 250. But I take him to the taxidermist and the taxidermist is like, holy cow, that's a big, big, uh, big deer like big bodied deer. His head is huge. It's kind of funny. I don't know if you've ever walked into a taxidermist and with your, you're so proud of your buck. You're walking in there, you walk in the door and everybody else is dropping their deer off or he's got mounts there and you're just like, Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. and, you know, just kind of a, Oh, there's a, there's a booner. There's a booner. There's a booner. You know, a guy walks in with like a 180 class non-typical while I was there. And I'm just like, yeah, this guy was mature. Like, like, I don't know. I just, I thought that was funny, but yeah, in, in Iowa, you've got some serious competition to stack up right. against. Right. But the guy's looking at it and he goes, man, I don't think a regular mount is going to be good. Like a regular mount we're going to, so he, he shows me, he, he opens this catalog, right. And he's, he's flipping through the, these, uh, these forms that the hide goes over. Right. And he's like, I think we're going to need one of these, these, mounts and it is a mount specifically for Canadian deer who are like bigger 
necked, bigger yes. bodied animal. Yep. I've seen. So that I'm one. just like, yes, like <laughs> that. That to me jacked me up, and it was like, yeah, you may have a big rack, but my buck's a badass, right? So <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. And other than that, you know, it's just like get the pictures done. You know, we had them processed, uh, all the way processed in, you know, the, the end of the next day. And I got a really bad case of poison Ivy because Ooh. of you know dragging them out of the thick stuff, but it's all worth it. Right. Very true. So, so what's, what is your biggest lesson learned from this whole thing? Oh man, for me, it was, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to understand especially for, for a family man that there are times where you want to hunt, but you probably shouldn't. That's just, that's one thing. It's like, okay, I went out this year and I, 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 I love hunting and I love being outside and I've had some encounter, some good encounters in off what we would consider off condition days. But, you know, I think I'm learning this year that you know, we talk a lot about first time in, best time in. Mm-hmm. I only sat that particular tree. That was the second time I sat in that tree. And that was the first time all year I sat in a tree stand more than two times. Yeah. Wow. So I didn't ever double up on tree stands or locations. I didn't ever, you know, I was going where the sign was at. I was being as mobile as possible. Um, I was doing what I had taught, conditioned myself to do throughout the years. And that was, you know, have your trail cameras tell the story. Where are the deer at? Okay. If there's nothing showing up, you got to go somewhere else on these trail cameras. You know, if, if there's, you know, bucks that are coming through in the middle of the night, it's pointless to hunt that area because there's no sign of them coming in during shooting light anyway. So a picture at midnight is like no picture at all when you're trying to hunt them. I saw this picture of this buck. It was at last light on Halloween, meaning he's going to make himself visible in this marsh before then. And that was my best Intel. So I set up in that area and lo and behold he 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 was there before you know he was pulled away by a hot doe and i had the opportunity to uh capitalize because of the information my trail cameras told me if that makes sense it does well that's awesome man so it's 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 nice when the plan comes together and it's it's not like there was even a plan it was it was literally the starting point of what i wanted to do for the next you know 17 days for or you know 15 16 days i i just started i, I there's a, a lot of luck in what happened to me as well yeah i luckily ran into a place where a buck walked in front of my trail camera i climbed up in after a rainstorm and that buck just so happened to be bedded in that marsh but i think when, i think when you look at these types of situations like this, there's always going to be an element of luck, but the luck wouldn't have been able to play its part if you hadn't done a whole bunch of little things that allowed that to happen. So, for example, you hunted on a day when it was rainy, and a lot of people maybe wouldn't have gone out and hunt that day, but you did, and you were there after the front passed and that deer was on his yeah. feet. You you know, you know, planned your wind right, and you made sure that you weren't going to be blowing your wind into that swamp and stuff. You know, yeah. Some guys might have 
tromped in there and didn't care about the wind and would have blew him out before you even had a chance to shoot him. Um, I bet you the tree you picked, there's probably some experience and some things you learned in the past that helped you pick the right tree to sit in that night. I bet all of your experience and the things you've done doing so many run-and-gun setups you know, the day before when you set that stand up, you probably did it really quietly and slowly enough that you didn't spook that deer that maybe was bedded close by. I bet there's so many little things like that. Yeah, I always try to look at my hunts, you know, when I have like a close encounter that goes wrong versus a close encounter where I actually seal the deal. And when you start looking at all these tiny little things, there's usually a bunch of these things that if I hadn't done this one little thing, I never would have been able to kill that buck. You know, it's like that one limb. Right. You know, sometimes you, you don't trim the one tiny limb and that's why you couldn't kill him. And then sometimes you do trim that one little limb and then that's where you got the shot. I think right. there's a lot of things like that probably. And I, I guess I didn't really think about it, but and and I have a problem with overanalyzing things too much. This year, my goal was to be more fluid in my approach, and what I mean by that is let the sign or the information you have dictate where you're going to hunt. Right? Don't don't say, oh man, but this area looks good, or this area looks better, or if I go one tree over, maybe I'll maybe I'll do it, but it's a little bit more risky or, you know, it's like, it just, for me, it just happened this year. I didn't put a lot of thought into anything that I was really doing. I knew I used the information that I had from, you know, seasons past. Um, and what I've conditioned myself to do over my years as a bow hunter. Um, you know, I'm not trying to make myself sound like this God's gift to bow hunting, but for me, it just, it just, it happened, right? If that makes sense. It does. Sometimes it just, that's how it goes, right? Sometimes right. you just have to be out there and play as many of your cards right as you can and then hope it works yep. out. Yep. That's a fact, man. Yeah. So well, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm pumped. Uh, I'm trying to figure out, I got a couple months to figure out where I'm going to hang them. And, uh, I just, I'm just so blessed, you know? And, and, and like I said to you, you know, after when I called you that night or that, that next day, I shot that buck and I almost had this feeling of remorse. You know, I, I shot him. I love these animals so much. You get a little bit of this remorse. So you're like, oh man, that sucks that I had to take a life, yeah. but I'm a hunter. That's what we do. He's going to feed me. And I executed the plan perfectly. That's why he's dead. Yeah. Then the next thought is like, man, my season for the most part is over. Well, I want to talk to you about that. Yeah. Because in Iowa, you guys can get a second tag for muzzleloader or shotgun, right. right? Right. And yes, yes, that's true. But where I hunt, man, this isn't like a managed farm where these, you know, what you see on TV, these guys are like, oh, late season success. Yeah, yeah, late season success on a highly managed farm with uh, 40 acres of standing corn. Nobody leaves 40 acres of standing corn up around here or around where my farm is. Yes, there are times where maybe a cold front can move through. And I'm talking an extreme cold front where we're talking 25 degrees below zero type of weather that gets these feet on their on their daylight, you know, daylight moving. It's just very, very hard to locate those deers. And, you know, I'm not going to say it here, but you know my situation. There's other people in the area who who have tons of food plots. And so when winter hits and after shotgun season comes through this 
these properties, these deer leave my property and go to safe havens on other farms where there is that 40 acres of standing food. Right. What about the little property? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I had some good, good quote unquote luck there last year as far as seeing deer. However, they're all to the north and I just, it's like I would be shooting through two properties with my bow to, to, to get a shot at them. It's just, it's very hard. They don't tend to use that pinch point as much. They use the field edge on the north side of the creek. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's very difficult. And to be honest with you, that's, you know, that's time for me to, to be doing other things to allow me to hunt the rut. You know, it's, they allow me to hunt, maybe so, go on that Western so trip and stuff are, like that. You're telling me. No, I know what you're saying. I'm giving up. Yeah. I'm not giving up. No, no. How can you how can you not hunt from November 2nd through the January 15th end? It'll be two and a half months where people could right. be deer hunting, and you're going to be able to sit in your house and not feel like scratching your eyeballs out? No, I'm going to hunt. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying that it's very difficult okay. and very hard to do. I have okay. three doe tags left that I'm I plan to fill uh, in the next couple weeks, actually. So I'm still going to get out and enjoy some of this, you know, this rut, but I'm, you know, I'm saving my vacation so I can go to some trade shows. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm only going to, I'm going back to that weekend warrior type status. And, uh, it's, it's very hard late season when, you know, if that cold front doesn't land, when you're in your cubicle, or when you're not in your cubicle, then you're kind of, you're kind of just, you know, you got to hit that luck stage again. Yeah. You know, I got to, that luck has to, that cold front has to come through on a, on a Saturday or Sunday. And if it doesn't, then you're sat, sitting there hunting uh 45 degree December days. And those aren't fun to hunt. <laughs> <laughs> not ideal. That's for sure. But, but yeah, I, uh, it's not that I'm not going to be hunting. It's just that it's, it just changes. You know, you got two kids and I, you know, I can't sit here and say, I'm not, I'm not going to hunt because I will. It's just that the, the opportunities as the season goes on become less and less. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I just wanted to make sure you weren't throwing on the towel completely. No, no, because I, there's still an opportunity. I, I'm going to be running a lot of trail cameras on my buddies. And if a big boy starts coming through, I'm going to be on him. Yeah, right. Dude. Go get him, You man. I mean, I'll tell you what, it's a good feeling when you're out there hunting and you already have your pet, your tag filled and you've got, you know, none of that like monkey on your shoulder type pressure. Right. It's all right. bonus from here. So right. that'll be a nice relaxing sit when you get back out there next time. All right, Mark. Uh, speaking of spe- monkeys on backs. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of monkeys on backs and trying to relax. <laughs> oh man. You want to talk like, you know how I was saying the definition like I, I was prepared to grind it out yes. and ha- I had success early. You actually are grinding it out right now. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's, Talk to us. Yeah. Grinding. That is exactly what it is. And um, it started a lot earlier this year than most years for me. You know, usually my grind starts, you know, Halloween or something like that. But, you know, last time we actually talked about my hunts that, will you know, I had that encounter on the 24th of October where I got to folder on Holyfield, you know? Yeah. And that whole thing kind of set into motion my hunting marathon earlier than usual because right. all of a sudden I started seeing Holyfield in daylight all the time. 
And so I was like, well, I saw him in daylight last night. I better hunt tomorrow. And I saw him in daylight that night, so I better hunt the next day. Right. So since October 24th, I think I've only taken two days off from hunting. Right. Right. Um, so I'm whooped. Like, I'm I'm tired. I'm I'm <laughs> just leveling with you. I'm just, like, I'm pretty exhausted right now. What is it? Today's November 8th? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Since that time, since the 24th, I've been after one deer and one deer only. Yep. Mr. Holyfield, and he continues to evade me. So, you know, the 24th we talked about, I came to full draw on him, but it was just too dark. The next day he came in to the field, but got spooked by something on the road, ran back in the cover. Um, the next day hunted a different spot. I didn't see him. I went back in the 27th. I saw him again. Um, I took two days off because of warm weather, was back in there on the 30th, saw him again. Um, all right. I got a question. For you. <laughs> yeah. Talk, I know you, we've talked about this a little bit, but tell us where he, where this buck is living and, and why maybe you're not able to get a, any more cracks at him yes. on, on the property that you're actually hunting. Yeah. Yeah. That's important for me to talk about. Cause I feel like everyone's like, how come you don't just move and kill this buck every time right. you see him? And I'm like, gosh, I wish I could. So here's the situation. Imagine like, uh, like a, like a checkerboard or, or board and you break it up into four, four squares. All right. The four quadrants. Okay. So the line that runs right down the middle, that is my property line. I've got the two quadrants on the left side. My neighbor has the two quadrants on the right side. So in the bottom left quadrant is the only cover I have on my side of the property in this area. I've got that food plot I planted, and I've got tall grass and then a strip of timber behind me. Now, adjacent to that on the neighbor's side of the line to the right, so the right bottom right quadrant is some cover, like some timber. The upper right quadrant, so that would be the northeast quadrant, that is this stellar bedding, really tall grass, these brushy bushes. I don't know what they're called, um, right. but just like tremendous. And then the top left quadrant is my property, but it's just a cut bean field. It's a wide open bean field, and my property line is on the edge of that bean field. I have one tree on my side. Everything else is the neighbor's. So... Where I see him all the time is in the upper right quadrant, in that really great bedding. And from my tree stand in the bottom left quadrant, I can see in there really well. So on night number one, I saw him in the right quadrant, top right. He came into the wide open bean field, chased a doe. I snort wheezed to him. He came down into the bottom left where I'm at, but you know what happened there. That's the only time he's come down to my quadrant since. That was October 24th. All the other times I've seen him back on the neighbors in that cover, um, except for one time November uh November third, he actually showed up directly next to me in that bottom right quadrant in the na on the neighbors, in the thick cover though, at sixty yards. That's the closest he's been to me recently. And he was okay. just staring into the food plot. And there was two little button bucks that had just come out. And so I was like first I'm like, crap, is he did he bust me? Is he staring at me? And like for like several minutes he was just frozen. And I just barely inched my binoculars up and looked at him. And he was looking straight ahead. He wasn't, like, looking up at me. He was just looking into the food plot. So I think he was looking at those two deer. And he just sat there for a couple minutes and then turned and walked away. Now, so why I can't move is because I've got one tree in my food plot in the bottom left quadrant. And there's one tree 
in the top left quadrant, but it's just on this wide open bean field. Right. So my thought process was, all right, I've got a great setup here in this food plot. Does are still coming out to feed. I just need him to come out and follow one of these does one of these times. And I'm seeing him chasing does back in the cover. He chased the doe once out into the open bean field at one time. Um, and the issue here is I can only hunt here with like north, northwest winds, something like that. Because if I have anything right. that blows from the east or south, it blows up into all that cover. So long story short, I'm stuck with this spot. And I see him all the time, but he's on the neighbors back in this cover, and I obviously can't hunt there. So long story short, you know, I saw him multiple times, the, the 24th, the 25th. I saw him the morning of the 25th, the 27th, the 30th. And then the third was the time when he was at 60 yards. I watched him then go back into the upper right quadrant, run around, chase some does in there. Then he actually, though, did pop out into the upper left quadrant. He popped out into my bean field at the very top northern border for like 10 yards and then walked into the north neighbor's property, which was a cut cornfield. Um, So that was the third. My issue was, I was at this point, I was okay. I I want to sit up in that one tree, up in that quadrant, because there are a bunch of does that are coming out to feed in there, and he has popped out there once, right by that tree, and then the twenty fourth and the twenty fifth of October, he popped out and then worked south. One time came into my food plot, one time spooked. Something right. okay. These are my only options. I've hunted the food plot stand so many times, like the exact opposite of what you've done. You've hunted only, you know, everything once or twice. And that's what I want to do. But I've kept hunting this stupid stand because it's the only place I can see him. Like he's nowhere else on my farm. I'm not getting trail camera pictures of him anywhere else. I'm not seeing him anywhere else, but every time I go here, I'm seeing him. But you're Um, seeing him on the neighbor's farm, right? Yes. Except for three times, three times, three times, three times he's come onto my farm, but just in the edges of it. Um, I take that back. One morning, he was right in the middle of the field running around. Um, and then earlier in October, I had seen him in front of my food plot. Um, but most everything was on my neighbors. So my thought process kept on being, okay, this isn't a great situation. You've hunted this stand so many darn times. You know, I'm hunting a stupid field. It's not what I want to be doing. But I don't have any better option on this property. Like, I'm not... There's no other reason to hunt anywhere or place else if he's the only buck I'm trying to kill. Right. And if I don't think he's – if he doesn't know I'm here yet, which I don't know, um, maybe he'll follow a doe. So that was my thought process, and that was kind of I, kind of the, the noose I've hung myself on is that I've just stuck with this one area because it's the only place I think there's a small chance of him maybe making a stake, mistake. And I could hunt it, and I knew he wasn't winding me. And I, the one thing that I told you before is that I've convinced my wife to come with the four-wheeler to this property and pick me up every evening. Okay. So I'm not spooking these deer as a person at all. And so I think because of that, I'm still seeing a lot of activity every single night. There's still deer feeding out in these fields. He's still very close to my property or popping into my property for brief periods of time. I think that if I had been walking out of this area even once or twice, I don't think that would still be happening. But I think with her driving in there and spooking these deer off with ATV, they're just so much more forgiving of that. So the day of the November 4th, I finally had a wind that I could go hunt that tree stand up in the top left quadrant. Because, again, like I said, anything westerly blows into the bedding. So I had to wait till I had something that would either be straight south, so I could go straight up the edge, or something easterly. So I finally got that the night of the 4th. I snuck in. I did a run-and-gun set. It was an absolute disaster. 
I got to my tree. Well, so first it was like, a, it was a quiet, it wasn't windy. It was super crunchy in the leaves. So I'm like, okay, how do I get to this tree, which is right on the edge of this bedding? I mean, the tree is right on the edge of the stuff. So I'm like, how do right. I get in here without spooking deer that are bedding there? Well, luckily the neighbor was combining his fields. So I'm like, okay, I am going to wait and I'm going to time my walk into the stand with when the combine's nearby so that they can't hear me. So okay. I walk to the edge of the field and I see the combine has stopped and he's waiting to dump off his load of corn. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to wait. He'll be ready to go. Well, half hour passes and he still hasn't started going. So I'm like, well, son of a gun, I need to get set up. But luckily he gets going. So finally gets the combine going. I've wasted half an hour, but okay, I'm going to make sure I get in here quiet. I'm going to have a good setup. I'm not going to spook deer. So as the combine's getting close, I scurry in there. I get to the base of my tree. I'm like, okay. Nothing spooked, nothing new. I was in here, at least not that I think of. The wind's great. The combine's going by. Let me hang these sticks. Yep. And I look at my backpack, and I realize I forgot to bring my climbing sticks. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had, like, an aneurysm, and I was like, what in the world? Like, I am the biggest idiot in the world. I got so mad at myself. I was like, okay. I'm not like I'm not gonna go all the way back home. So then again, we have to give props to my blessed angel of a wife. I called her and said, "Hey, honey, I know I don't deserve this, but can you do me a favor?" And I had her drive my climbing sticks to the tree while the combine was nearby again. So again, hoping that you know this vehicle coming up to the edge of this field will be just you know, like another piece of farm equipment. So she drops off my climbing sticks. I try to hang them up in the tree. The first tree I tried to hung that I thought I was going to get hanged up in, I realized I can't because there's two big trees that are like grown together. So I didn't realize this. I can't get straps around it. So I'm like, well, son of a gun. So long story short, because this could go on and on. It was just a complete yep. disaster. I try to get up in like this tree, and then I realized there's one other tree I could maybe get into. So I tried to get into that one. I couldn't get into that one because it's kind of just a little cluster of trees like right in this area. Um, and while I'm pulling the sticks down from one tree, I look over and here's a big buck coming and it's Frazier, a three and a half year old. Um, yep. he walks to within 10 yards of me I film it on my phone and then he kind of realized something's wrong and boogers out of there. Finally get in a tree and well, just, you know, it was a disaster, but I got in the tree for the last hour of daylight and I saw Holyfield come out of where I think he was bedded. Mm-hmm. But he walked by like a hundred yards, still in the neighbors, popped out around the other side of the field. The combine starts back up, spooks him, disappears. And well, that's basically it. I went back again last night. I didn't see him. Um, and that's, you know, that's that. I've Man. been hunting some different places in the mornings. This stand, this property just is not good for the rut unless they're hitting my food. So I, I've got I've got one chunk of timber that's like my sanctuary. So I just it's a it's kind of a swamp, and I just never go in there. Um, otherwise, it's just field edge kind of. And um, you know, for whatever reason, they're not in my food plots as heavy as they usually are this time. I think it's because there's been no frost. We haven't got a frost yet, so yeah. they they're not hitting my brassicas because they usually don't hit those till it's cold and frosty. Yeah. So you know, they've been hitting the neighboring cornfield and my bean fields, and um, I don't know, it's just been tough. I can't get in the cover where he's been at. I've been hoping, you know, maybe he'll be cruising in the morning. Um, that hasn't happened. I've never seen him on the main body of my property, just up in that one little corner. Um, the one interesting thing that did happen to me is 
on our last podcast where we were talking about um, our rut stands that we're looking forward to. Yep. There was one stand I told you about that's on the backside of the swamp on a little piece of, of high ground that runs between CRP and the neighbors and my little swamp sanctuary. And I had set a stand on the backside right in that piece of high ground that runs in the between. And I hunted that a couple of days ago, and that was an awesome morning. And I actually saw two of the bucks that I was considering shooting this year um, that were what I believe to be three-and-a-half-year-olds, Frazier, and then another buck I'm calling Foreman. Yep. And uh, I had both of them at 10 yards, and I decided to pass on both of them. Um, okay. Cause it just at this point it's it's holy feeling. No, nothing else is getting me excited. Like I I just want to kill this one deer. So had really cool counters with them though, and that was fun. And then I actually saw Foreman again last night, and I passed on him at ten yards. And I saw him again this morning, and I passed on him about twenty. So you know I've it's been great Michigan action. Like it's been really cool. Like I'm seeing these yeah. bucks, and like a lot of these nights I've seen Holyfield. I've also seen Foreman. I've also seen Frazier, and I've also seen this other buck I'm calling Mayweather. So I'm seeing a bunch of nice three and a half year old bucks, more than I've ever seen. So like, even though I've hunted the same place over and over, I'm seeing way more relatively mature deer, and that's exciting for the future for sure. Um, it's just been frustrating because my hands have been tied trying to get on this deer, and it's basically just been hoping to get lucky hunting these fields and just hoping that maybe tonight he makes a mistake and it hasn't happened. Okay. I have a couple questions. Yeah. I rambled there. Sorry. No, you're fine. Question one, calling at him. Have you grunted? Have you snort wheezed? Have you done anything to try to get him to come to you? Yes. Good question. Okay. So the very first time I saw him, I snort wheezed and he came into the food plot, but he was fouling two does. So I don't know okay. if he was fouling, if he came in because of the call, if he came in because of the dose. So night number one, he responded to the call. Night number two, I tried grunting, and he, no, let me think about this. I grunted once or twice, and he looked but didn't care and kept walking by. I tried to snort wheeze again, and he kind of just, like, turned and trotted away. So he wasn't feeling it at all. So I'm okay. okay. I'm like, okay. I kind of blew it. Um... The next time I tried calling to him was when he was at that 60-yard encounter when he was right next to me. Um, And, okay, so I grunted at him and I snort wheezed at him and it kind of – he didn't like it so much. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to try that. I'm going to try doubly maybe. So I tried the can call. He didn't care for that. He turned and walked away. Another time I saw him pop out a little ways off. Um, The one other time when he popped out into my field north of me a couple hundred yards, I was like, okay, I've tried all these different things. He's not feeling it. But Dan Johnson told me I need to try rattling. And even though I don't like to rattle in Michigan, damn it, I just need to try something. So I was like, I'm going to yep. try a little light rattling. Maybe, you know, who knows? So I tried that. He looked and then turned and walked straight back into the woods. Yeah. So no call has worked. Um, I considered trying a decoy, but I've watched him around other bucks, and he's not, like, super aggressive with other bucks. And I don't have a good spot to hunt with a decoy like Mm -hmm. the food plot stand he wouldn't be able to see it until he's in the food plot because i've got this tall food plot screen all around it so you can't see in or out of it right so i could hunt that bean field edge with it but the issue with that is that he needs to come into the field to see it and if that ever happened it would be with a bunch of does out there and around here i think if i put that decoy out i'd get blown at by all those does before he'd ever pop out and Any deer that came out would probably be surprised because they'd come right out. Where they come out, they'd all of a sudden see this decoy 10 yards away from them. So it's right. not like they show up on the other side of the field and you could see it. You could come my way. 
So, so yeah, I mean, calling hasn't worked. The decoy just doesn't seem like the smart move. Um, and here I am. Yep. Well, sounds to me like two things are going to happen. Well, first off, when is Michigan's gun season start? November 15th. Okay. So that's that... uh, a week from today. And when people hear this, you will already be on the road or have already hunted in Ohio, right? Yep. I'm leaving for Ohio tonight. After the hunt or after the podcast that we're recording right now? I don't know. I was planning on hunting tonight because I thought I could hunt that corner stand one more time, the new one I hung. Yep. Because it was going to be a west-southwest wind, which would kind of cut the edge a little bit. I thought it might be able to cut the corner. But now it's shifted to a northwest or west-northwest, which just blows out the entire bedding area. And so I'm like, I just can't, like, there's just no way that'll work. If it was southwest, there was a small chance it could work. With anything northwest, it's like there's I can't even get in there without everything smelling me. Um, so I could hunt the food plot fine, but I, that'll be like the bajillion time I've hunted there, and that seems like low odds now. And So I don't know. Part of me says I should hunt just because you never know. Part of me says that I should just get to Ohio and get a good night's sleep so I can try to turn the page and try to make the best of this rut still. I think you should hunt yeah? tonight. I think you should hunt uh, Michigan and be as aggressive as you possibly can, knowing that there's there's a period of time between now and the time that the gun season starts. So I know you, you remember how Jim Shockey talked about pressure on a deer like uh, ripples on a pond. Eventually they go away and everything becomes normal again. Yeah. I think that if you're aggressive tonight and you potentially spook him, you know, like you're going to spook him or you're going to kill him type odds, right? Yeah. So let's say you spook him. By the time the gun season starts, he's going to be back to his normal routine and there's that chance that he he's still working his way on your property. So – and and by that time, you're gone anyway. And then by the time you, you come back, you know, the rut could be over. It could be that post rut where they're looking for that last doe or, you know, anything could happen between now and then. Yeah. So I, I my – I don't know about you, but I'm that kind of person who's like, I'm going to be knowing what I know and, and knowing that you're going to leave for Ohio in a, in a day or two, be aggressive. And if you fail, you, you tried. Yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I have been sitting here thinking about the same thing too. And like, <laughs> I, I don't want to sound like, um, well, let's just be a honest. Wiener. Well, I don't want to sound like a wiener, but I want to kill this buck. To be selfish, yeah. I want to be the person to kill this buck. Right. And I almost want to spook him because if he keeps acting like he's acting right now, as soon as my neighbor or one of these guys goes in there in gun season, he's dead. Yep. Like he's so killable. Like if I could hunt this stupid property, he would be so dead right now with a bow, I believe. So right. let alone when these guys start going on with guns. So I almost – it, maybe it's not a bad idea to hunt there tonight knowing that probably 95% chance I will blow out any deer in there and he will probably smell me. Yep. But maybe that's what I need to do to smarten this deer up a little bit. Right. And then by the time I come back and try hunting him again later in November, he'll have, you know, ho- you know that's the thing I'm worried about is he's going to get killed. But if he doesn't get killed, maybe then I, I do feel good if he survives gun season. I feel yep. very good about my late season chances because yep. – I have by far the best late season food. I've got two really good, great big brassica food plots that are lush and huge. 
and they haven't really been touched very much yet because of the fact we haven't got a frost. So I got to yep. believe as soon as we get cold weather, they are just going to hit them so hard. And last year, I had a Montreal camera during daylight in December on my late season food plot 10 times in daylight. So Bingo. So if I can get this buck through gun season, I think he's very killable in the late season. Right. So that's my right. one silver lining. So maybe I should I, just I, I say be aggressive tonight. Maybe just go in there and it's 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 uh rattle for four straight hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give him a fair warning before the orange yeah. pumpkin uh, brigade comes in. That's right. Yeah, you know, maybe you're right. I I, I, I know that if I – I was planning on hunting tonight, but then just this afternoon, like when I was coming in to do this, I was like, man, tonight the drive's going to suck tonight, and I'm going to get in at like midnight, I'm going to have four hours of sleep. But I knew, I knew I'd feel bad about not trying still. Does this make you feel better, Mark? I'm going to work tomorrow. <laughs> yes. So how about you stop whining? Yeah, huh? that's a good point. <laughs> that's a very good point. i tell you what. I'll go to Ohio, and you can sit in my cubicle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> point well taken. Point well taken. So, Just all right. Him. Just kill him. I'm going to go in there and sit again. And You're going to kill him. I'm going to try to kill him. And all if right. I did, like, I might cry. I'm going to be so happy. <laughs> Call me. Call me and I'll say, okay, stop being a baby for a second <laughs> and thank me Yo. and just say, thanks, Dan, because you told me to rattle when for I thought minutes. I should yep. <laughs> for, 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 for an hour. Just, I mean, get, get two decoys out there. Have your wife dress up as a deer and have her fight that decoy <laughs> and, and just rattle and rattle and snort wheeze the entire time. Yeah, he's gonna come out purely just based on like insatiable curiosity. Like he just has to see what's going on out here. <laughs> you know, it, I've got nothing I can just to lose. See it now. You kill him, right? Doing something so stupid like uh, I rattled and snorted and grunted and and rattled some more, which <laughs> nobody ever does. And he comes in that night and you kill him. And then I can see some article written by Mark Kenyon, how I conquered the rut by <laughs> you know, <laughs> giving advice to people. You know. It was, uh, it was nothing but my, my genius strategy of very specific <laughs> calling tactics. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. I don't know, man. I guess, you know, we'll see. Who knows? Right. You never know. Um, you never know. So that's my story. That's been my rut. It's I'll, been I'll tell you. Can, good luck. Thank you, sir. You know, I had one other thing that's worth yeah. mentioning. On one of the hot days, we had like a 70-degree 70 degree day that I didn't want to hunt here. I went to one of those other farms I'm hunting, and I ended up having a really close call there too. Um, you probably saw on social media, or maybe we talked about it on text. But yeah. at 10 o'clock, I spotted a shooter buck back in this big timber I was hunting, and I watched him for four hours locked on a doe. He bedded at 100, then I watched him get up and stalk around and then bedded down again and stalked around. I tried calling to him a couple times, and he wouldn't come my way. And then finally at like 1.30 or between 1.30 and 2, the doe got up, and she came my way. She passed at 50 through my shooting land. I'm like, all right, I can do that. If he passes right, right. through there, this is game over. But he hung right. back like 20 yards further back or 20, 30 yards further back, and he passed at 77 yards. Um, and he was a four and a half year old buck for sure. Like just a really solid, big, nice eight pointer. Um, awesome. so that was a cool encounter for like a 70 degree day. I wasn't really expecting much. Um, 
And that just goes to show you that you never know during the rut. So it's the rut. Yeah, you got to give it a shot during the rut because anything yep. can happen. Right. Throw, try throwing Hail Marys if it's, you know, like I, I'm, I'm telling people out there, you know, hey, what about this? I only have one day left to hunt or my vacation or I have – you got to do whatever you can. Tear your tree stand down. Go go dive into that bedding area downwind and, you know, if you see him and he's walking away from you, grunt at him. If he doesn't respond to a grunt, snort wheeze at him. If he doesn't snort – if he doesn't respond to that, rattle at him. I mean yeah. what do you have to lose? Yeah, if you're if you're point. down to the end of your trip or if you don't get to hunt a bunch more or whatever, I mean yeah, you got to you got to go out swinging. Right. So there it pays to be safe and conservative and smart, but only to a point, you know? Like if your opportunities are not going to be there anymore after this, then go for it. So right. So that's kind of where I'm at in Michigan for the time being. So I guess I'm going to swing. Hey, swing for it. All right. Well, any other final thoughts from you? Just, uh, you know, all the people who are out there grinding, man, good luck and, uh, you know, be safe. And man, I, I don't know. I think I can speak for Mark when I say we, we really hope as many of the listeners out there are as successful as humanly possible, unless you share the same pharmacist as us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to tell you, though, it's been super cool. Like, we've been getting a lot of tweets and Facebook messages and stuff of people thanking you and me um, for the podcast because it, you know, helped them in some way kill this buck or their biggest buck or, or stuff like that. And that's, that's really cool to see. So very, very exciting to see that kind of stuff. So I agree. Good luck to everyone out there. And um, I guess as we do, I'm just going to shut her down. We do need to thank our partners who – Help us keep this podcast going. So big thank you to Sitka Gear, Redneck Blinds, Huntero Maps, Yeti Coolers, Ozonics, Carbon Express, Maven Optics, Whitetail Institute of North America, and uh, I think that's everyone. And I guess then finally, yes, thank you all for listening, for tuning in, for uh, for kind of joining us as we kind of share all of our ups and downs here during the rut. We'll have a new guest on here soon, so uh, enough of me and Dan blabbing and... Uh, Until next time, good luck and stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.